0: let's pray let's transition and pray i've got some words that i believe god wants us to hear today so let's pray god you're great we worship you may you speak boldly in the next few minutes may we not be discouraged by the announcement that was just shared may we trust even when our own feeling might feel like there is a way we can do this we can figure this out help us not be on the other side fearful help us operate the way that you want us to and we know that you supersede even uh even when we have to gather online and we long to be sitting in the pews and interacting with one another live god may you speak boldly in the next few minutes we love you in your name amen wives and children if you haven't yet said happy father's day this is the time pause the video say it now hopefully will be able to elevate the role of, of fathers that are among us today. You know, we all want to contribute. We all want to be people of, of contribution in, in sports. Every team has an impact player. Someone who changes the complexity of the game. Someone who can lead the, the charge for the team and the team follows. Usually. These people aren't the highest paid players, but the ones who have the biggest hearts. Well, you might be asking who has made an impact in Matt's life? You know, there's many people that I could identify as as I go along that have made a difference in my spiritual walk. One of them would be my dad. My dad has been a small group leader at the church that they have attended for 30 years. My mom and dad have Reproduce themselves in hundreds of people as they've had groups reproduce themselves. My dad was very successful in in oil and gas before his retirement. But he didn't finish high school. My dad is someone who is a risk taker. He moved our family from Ontario to the west, not ever living in a city That was bigger than 25,000 people. So, my dad is a huge influence on on my life, but the other person that is a huge influence was my grandpa. I received a great gift from my grandpa before he passed away. He gave me a a, a Bible, and this Bible was littered full of notes that gave me insights into kind of his spiritual journey. My grandpa had a huge influence on my family and our extended family actually accepting Jesus. My grandpa shared with me his relationship with Jesus through the pages of of the Bible. I've been able to share some of those thoughts with you as I have preached on a Sunday morning. My grandpa was never theologically trained, he never held a job as a pastor. You just love Jesus. Today, we want to look at a couple unfamiliar stories and then a couple familiar stories of of men who actually made a contribution during their time on earth. Now, women, this is not a time for you to go get a cup of coffee and go, Matt's just speaking to the men. Men, I want you to, to listen extra good today. And women... I want you to learn some of the truths that that you actually can apply to your life. We're going to look at four different characters. The very first one is in Joshua. We're going to look at Joshua. And so I'm going to read a bunch of scripture today. Scripture is going to be what speaks to us. I'm going to give you a few of my insights. But really, we're going to throw ourselves into the story and just be impacted by what God has shared with us. So Joshua chapter 1. Look at, look at verse 2. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you. I will give you every place where you set foot. Just like I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea. It's a huge territory. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your forefathers. And again, verse 7, be strong and courageous. Be careful that you obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Don't let the book of the law depart from your heart. Then verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua takes those words in, in verse 10. And orders the officers of the people. Go through the camp. Tell all the people. Get your supplies ready. These days from now. You, from a few days from now you will cross the Jordan. You'll go in, you'll take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And Joshua keeps going, verse 13, remember the command that the Moses, that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest. He's granted you the land. Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you. In verse 16, then they answered Joshua, whatever you've commanded us to do, Whatever you've asked us to do, wherever you'll send us, we're going to go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. As we read this small account, we can get caught up in the excitement of the story. God calls Joshua out to lead. God did not only call Joshua to lead, but he, almost, but he also promised Joshua That he would be able to enter the promised land. Here we see God exhorting, encouraging, declaring. Be strong and courageous. And look at verse 7 and 8 if you have your Bibles open. You'll be successful wherever you go. In verse 9 it follows that theme saying don't be scared, don't be terrified, don't be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua should have struggled with the fear of failure. I mean, he wasn't Moses. He wasn't the strong leaders, the strong leader who had all those encounters with the Almighty God. Joshua gets thrown into leading a group of complainers who really aren't the most trustworthy followers. If anyone had a right not to want to lead, it could have been Joshua. Men... You and I so often struggle with the fear of failure. And we choose not to lead because we associate the cost of leading to be way too great. Men, today I want to challenge you. God needs us to become the spiritual leaders in our families, in our workplaces, and here in our church. The interesting piece with Joshua is his name actually translated means the God who saves. This Old Testament leader develops into the perfect biblical leader because he's truly dependent on God and knows that without God's help he can't lead. The promise that God utters to Joshua in verse 9 is the same promise that Jesus gave to his disciples before he left them to go up into heaven. And surely, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. God said to Joshua, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Man, God is saying today that we need to lead, that we need to lead in confidence. But there's a trade-off when we choose to lead. In Joshua 1, 7, and 8, God explains to us this this trade-off Be careful. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it. Don't turn to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Don't let the book of the law, the Bible, depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do whatever is written in it, everything that's written in it. If you do those things, You'll be prosperous and successful. Men, do you and I lead because we feel we have to? Or we're obligated? Or are we simply choosing not to be involved in leadership? Are you and I meditating on the word of God day and night? What would our attitude be toward leadership if we were hiding God's word in our heart on a daily basis? God wants us to lead and ultimately have success just like Joshua did. We're called to do our part. Well, let's move to the the second character in the story, Cornelius. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, we're going to look at verse 1. Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion. He and his family were devout. They were God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had this vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Of course, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had just happened and sent them to Joppa. I want you to look, men, for just a second at the description of Cornelius. He and his family were devout. They were believers who feared God. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God on a regular basis. What a description of a man. Would that description be of you and me? Look back at verse 4. Cornelius stared at the angel in fear. What is it, God? Cornelius knew exactly who was speaking to him. He knew it was God and he knew he needed to listen. Do we listen? Do we do what he asks us? The last few weeks we've we've talked about it that God is speaking, are we actually listening? Acts chapter 8 will continue that story. Look at verse 24. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, Cornelius was expecting them and he called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in respect. But Peter made him get up, stand up, I'm only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside. He found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are, well, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. And then look at this. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any uh, objection. May I ask why you sent me? Cornelius answers this. Four days ago, I was in my house. I was praying. At three in the afternoon, suddenly this man comes in shining clothes. He stands before me and says, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer. And remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon who's called Peter. He is a guest. So I sent for you immediately. Verse 33. It was so good for you to come. Look at Cornelius' words. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize, Cornelius, how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of Jesus, the peace of Jesus. Doesn't that picture perfectly describe the family of God? Peter struggles with coming because of a tradition that exists in the Jew-Gentile law. God convicts him and tells him that he needs to go see this man. I love this description of Cornelius found in verse 22. We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is righteous. He's God-fearing. He is respected by all Jewish people. He's a, a holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Cornelius is such a God-fearing man that he wants to hear what God has to say to him, regardless of whether it's a Jew or Gentile. Cornelius teaches Peter a great lesson about the family of God. Look at verse 34 and 35. Peter began to speak. And now realize how true it is that God doesn't show favoritism, but God accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. What a great lesson. Do you see Peter and the centurion and Cornelius learning together? God doesn't show favoritism. He unconditionally loves everyone that he has created. Men, here's the question for us with Cornelius. Do we show favoritism? How often do you and I, regardless of our gender, our skin color, our cultural background, or whether we have a Baptist history or background or whatever background we come from, what does it truly look like to be in the family of God? Well, let's continue. This character might be one that we're not so familiar with, King Asa. And King Asa, the interesting piece is there's a consequence for a lack of faith. If you have your Bible, Second Chronicles 16. And I encourage you to, to throw yourself into this story. We're going to have all kinds of characters going around this story. In the 36th year of, of the king's reign, Judah was fortified. There was no one who was leaving or entering the territory. That's verse 1. And King Asa took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple. And out of his own palace and sent it to, to a king. Let there be a treaty among us. As there was between my father and your father. See, I'm sending you a gift. Now break your treaty with that other king, the king of Israel, so that... That king will withdraw from me. So they agree. That's verse 4. Verse 5. When when the king heard this, he stopped building. He abandoned his work. King Esau brought all the men of Judah. They carried away from Ramah the stones and timber that Basha had been using. At that time, Hanair the seer came to King Esau and said to him, Because you relied on somebody else and not on God... The army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Yet, when you relied on the Lord, he delivered you. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And I love this, that the seer says, you've done a foolish thing. And from now on, you'll always be at war. Of course, King Asa was angry. He was so enraged that he put that seer into prison. At the same time, King Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. Look at verse 12. In the 39th year of the reign, King Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he didn't seek God. He only went to doctors. Then in the 41st year of the reign, King Asa died and rested with his father. They buried him in a tomb that he had cut out for himself in the city of David. They laid him on a a covering with spices and various blended perfumes. They made a huge fire in his honor. King Asa ruled for, for 41 years. 35 years of his reign was peaceful. God was with them, blessed them, protected them, made them prosper. But something happened. King Asa, suddenly when trouble came, no longer trusted God. Verse, I mean, chapter 16 describes what happened in the 36th year of his time. He wanted to take things into his own hands. He wanted to solve it. He took silver and gold from the treasures of the house. He, he made a deal with this other king. There was peace. This is a great lesson for us to learn. So many times, men, you and I rely on our own strength, our own resources. Things don't go well, so we, we stop trusting and hoping in God. We start hoping in what we can do. Look at the blessing that King Asa missed in Second Chronicles verse 16, I mean chapter 16, verse 7. Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord, the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Not only would God have protected Asa from Baasha in Israel, he would have given the entire army of Aram into the hand of Asa. But King Asa threw it away by trusting in money and intrigue instead of God. What seemed like a great plan turned out to be a disastrous mistake. His peaceful life soon faced unconsiderable hardship. Now we know from other places in Scripture That if we repent after such unbelief, God takes those consequences of our sin and actually turns them into something good. There's that fatherly discipline. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. But it appears that King Asa never did that. He just kept going with the plan. When there's a military threat and you don't think of God... You think of money in the treasury and what political alliances do I have. When there's a threat for your health and you don't think of God, you think of doctors and medicine. It's not saying that those things are bad and that those aren't options. But where's our trust? Where's our reliance on God? Where's our hope that God is still on the throne? Men, maybe you're like me. We've become so dependent on other things That our abilities our incomes our jobs that we've forgotten to rely on god the last thing that i wanted to do many years ago was preach every sunday i simply wanted to fly under the radar i wanted to become comfortable with my abilities within the walls of student ministries i felt safe i was comfortable who have you made a deal with maybe the deeper question is what have you made a deal with the bank your education, your job. Well, let's end this with a a great little story, the fourth character, the little boy. Here we learn about submission and giving what we can. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 6. Verse 5, when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already he knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, well, here's this boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will those, that go with so many? Jesus said, let's have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. The men sat down, about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks. He distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Go out, gather all the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten do you see what man's response is the disciples are running around they're frustrated saying we don't have enough money how will we organize these people how often do you and i run around when god already has the answer the solution for us maybe you look at this story and you just need to ask yourself what would be my response Would I respond like that little boy who came out of the crowd just to volunteer his little meal that his mom had sent with him? Men, God wants you to impact your family, your workplace, our church. But he needs you to step out first. Not because you have something great to offer, but because God wants to use you. Men, it has been way too long that we as men have not led. We have not led in our homes. We've not led in our workplaces. And we certainly haven't led in our church. God is waiting patiently to use you. Will you step out and be counted? Well, let's do a little review here. Could you be like Joshua who was told, just be strong and courageous. God will give you success. I don't want you to be like Moses. Can you be like Cornelius who didn't listen to what tradition told him And he wanted to hear what a man of God wanted to tell him. Can you be the opposite to King Asa who was way too dependent on his own abilities and his own way to to negotiate that he just left God out of the equation? Or can you be like the little boy who is willing to give up everything to God even though it seemed really small? Men, today, do you want to be a group of men who make a lasting contribution on the world that we live in. Let me pray. God, thank you for the opportunity that we had to gather today. God, we thank you that you are a God who continues to speak to us. For my male friends out there, God, may you cause us to stand up and be counted. May it not simply be just us who watch from the sidelines but may we truly be people who are on mission for you. We love and adore you. You're a great God. We ask all this in your name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us. I, I want to pray just a simple prayer benediction over you as, as you go into your week this week. I do want to say that you want to join us next Sunday for, for Pastor Trent. He's going to finish this 3C talk on What's our call? What does that look like in our life? So let's pray this prayer benediction over you. God, as you penned in the pages of scripture, may the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord give you peace. And may you be reminded this week that there's a loving father who sent his son to die for us so that we could have eternal life. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.